Thank you for joining us today. We here at Let's Go are excited to be part of Kingdom Community TV. We trust that you will be blessed and maybe even a little bit surprised at what you're gonna see and hear on our show. So come on, let's go. Welcome to Let's Go, where you will hear about lives that have been transformed by the power of God. You'll see and hear real stories of real people going to real places far away whose lives are changed as God uses them to impact the lives of others for His glory. Get ready to see people experience God's love and power. Let's go. Welcome to Let's Go. I'm Darren Slack, your host, and today with me is Pastor Tony Nardello. Tony, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. It's good to be here, Darren. It's so great to be together again. We're excited about this new series of Let's Go episodes. Where we're going to be focusing on the heart of Titus, the ministry, and how God uses this ministry to encourage and bless people overseas. And also, we hope to encourage you, the viewer, with how you can grow and how God's called you in your ministry. Pastor Tony, you're right off the bat, Heart of Titus, where did that come from? I found that in the Bible, Darren. It's in 2 Corinthians 8, 16. And when I saw it, I just knew that the Lord wanted the name for the ministry, but I had no idea what it meant. But Paul's writing to the Corinthians, and he's trying to vouch for Titus. He's sending Titus again, and this time to collect an offering with a couple of other guys. And he's saying to them, I thank God who put into the heart of Titus the same concern that I have for you. For he not only welcomed our appeal, but with much enthusiasm and on his own initiative, he's coming to you. And so that is where we got the name, Heart of Titus. So let's talk about Titus for a minute. We don't know much about him from that one passage, but we can kind of gather from other places in Scripture that here's a guy who was looking for an opportunity. He was called by God. And certainly in Paul's downline of downstream of ministry, you're talking about a, a very intense type of opportunity here because I'm sure word had gotten around that to hang out with Paul wasn't necessarily one of the easiest things to do. I mean, Silas, on his first missions trip, in Acts chapter 17, ends up in jail and gets whipped. Uh, I mean, not, not exactly the thing you're looking forward to, and yet here's Titus with much enthusiasm and on his own initiative. What kind of mindset do you have to have to, to be that kind of a person? Well, I think you can just look right at the Scripture. He had the same concern, the same desire to and compassion for the church at Corinth that Paul had. Paul recognized that grace in Titus because this would not be Titus's first trip to Corinth. We see earlier in 2 Corinthians that Titus had already gone there and he reported on just how lovingly they received him. Almost with fear and trembling, they honored him and they had great desire uh, they always talked about the Apostle Paul and how they wanted to see him again. So there was something, I believe, about that first meeting with the Corinthian church that really uh, touched Titus and drew a relational connection between Titus and the Corinthian church. Now let's go back a second because you had to start somewhere. God had to put something in you of the heart of Titus, didn't he? How did that transpire? Well, that's interesting. You know, I, I got saved uh, many, many years ago as a young university student. But some years after that, the Lord really kind of spoke to me. And among other things, He told me that He had called me from the furthest corners of the earth to the furthest corners of the earth. And I, I was excited to you know, fulfill this purpose that God had called me to. But I had no idea how, when, or why. Um, it took many years of him uh, chiseling me and 
um, purifying in order to get me ready for the kind of ministry that we're doing today. Um, and it, um, so that has to come from God too. I mean, nobody volunteers to do sacrificial work. That's not how the human race works in my experience. So you had to go through a process of waiting yourself. I mean, you had the call, you had the sense of what God wanted to do. How long was it from the time God put it in your heart to do something, ends of the earth kind of thing, yeah, to when you find it? It was almost 10 years, Darren. Wow. So there was a waiting. Paul had it 14. The Bible says 14 years. Mm -hmm. You had 10. I had a number as well. I think that's something that's common in the experience of the faith, isn't it? That God puts something in your heart, and then there's this period of, of having to wait. Well, you know, God has to spend more time with people who are a little bit more stubborn like me, I guess. Uh, but, uh, you know, God can do anything. But I think that's true. I think that is a principle that, uh, you know, I don't know. We don't know how long Titus had to wait. Uh, but we know that in, in our own personal testimonies and in, like, in others like the Apostle Paul, uh, waiting does have its virtue. Well, I know there can be such inspiration for believers to see Titus stepping out and being used with enthusiasm on his own initiative. I mean, they can, they can really grab onto those ideas, but the waiting part, that nobody gets excited about that. And I think that is one of those things where I think God checks the heart, the motive you have for why are you going? What do you want to try to do here? Are you just trying to build a brand? You're trying to build a ministry? I think in today's culture, that's a very important thing we have to look at in, in terms of because there's more opportunities to get somewhere than we've ever had before. It's easier to fly. We can go places. But that doesn't mean always God wants you to go right away, does it? Uh, like everything else in life, uh, we, we have to know not only God's uh, will, but the timing of His will. Um, I missed out on the timing when I first got the call, and I tried to make it happen in my own flesh. And it, it just had disastrous consequences in my life. So uh, God was good, and He uh, restored and rescued. Uh, but, um, you know, you learn some things along the way. And it's a lesson you always have to remind yourself because I'm, I'm a doer and I always want to do things. Uh, I have to make sure I'm doing it in the right time. Uh, Titus, you said, worked with Corinth, which wasn't exactly one of the best churches. I mean, there were other churches in Paul's sphere that probably were a little easier to work with, but yet he found something there that really impacted him. I think Corinth gets a bad rap. I know that's not what you're driving <laughs> at, Darren, but um, I think, I mean, Cor the Corinthians had the gifts of the Spirit going on. They had love going on. They had a lot of good things going on, but I hear you. Um, the, the town was, uh, was a commercial center and very worldly. Uh, the church was still probably trying to, you know, pull itself out of some of that worldliness. Uh, but, but Titus and his experience, according to Paul, Second, Second Corinthians seven. I mean, there's a, you know, there was a real genuineness, a real relationship, a real bond that had formed between Titus and the church, and that makes it easier to go. The harder trips are when you go on those pioneering trips. You know, you got an invitation from somebody in a new city, you've never never been there before. He says, "Okay, we're going to go. Lord sent me there, but I don't know if we're going to find the honor and a welcome, or if they're going to uh, just, you know, kind of put us aside." So my reason for bringing up this whole idea of Corinth isn't so much to say that there was a lot of problems, but there were issues that you know made it a little bit more challenging for Paul that he had to address, notwithstanding the, how great the people were. Now, obviously, when you go overseas, you're not dealing with perfect churches. You're dealing with people in another culture. What's that like? I mean, you having to adjust to a, a different kind of culture, a different language even. How did you adjust? Wow, well, you're right, Darren. Everything is strange. 
when you go to a place that you're not familiar with. I mean, you know, different language. Uh, I mean, I remember my first time to Argentina, uh, my wife and I got up to have breakfast afternoon on Monday after a hard weekend of ministry, and we found out that all the stores and restaurants were closed till four in the afternoon, and there was no food in the oh cupboard, my. you know what I mean? <laughs> so uh, we, the Lord ordained a fast for us that day until later <laughs> that day. I mean, if you, you just don't know the culture, you don't know how to communicate as well. Um, so yeah, those things are all different. Then each church is different too. I mean, just like here in the States, you know, there's so many different types of traditions and cultures within churches. And, and if you go to a variety of different churches, you're gonna get a variety of different cultures. Now, within Heart of Titus, we're a little bit like what they did in Paul's day where they were serving pastors, serving churches, preaching, teaching, ministering, you know, seeing the power of God manifesting. We're not really, you know, building orphanages or doing what a lot of missions groups do. No, that's true. Now, we, from time to time, the Lord will lead us to do something. Like during COVID, uh, there was a, you know, the lockdowns in some of the countries that we had a lot of good friends in. Uh, were much more severe than what we'd experienced here in Florida. And so we were, by God's grace, we raised a bunch of money and we helped feed people. Uh, they were able to buy food and distribute it, um, sometimes under kind of in a cloak and dagger way because it was kind of against the law where they were to do that. But there were people that were starving in their houses, especially pastors, because they were giving away everything they had to help their sheep who had nothing. But, but you're right, overall, we are a, a word ministry, we're a preaching ministry. Um, I feel like uh, we're we're really an apostolic ministry, um, and we're just. And what does that mean? It's, this basically means that we send people to go be a blessing to other churches. Right. So you're going to these with teams. You take teams like Paul did, right? I mean, sure. groups of people. How many go on a team? Well, it can be anywhere from uh, two to twenty. Wow. We don't like taking that many because the logistically it gets kind of difficult, but. You know, I know like when you take uh, prophetic teams, you know, you'll take eight or 10 sometimes. And there's some indigenous folks that come with us. The locals will travel. And that's wonderful too, to see the connection of, you know, American transplants and the locals working together to bring the kingdom of God to a place. That's my favorite part of it is that we've, you know, the Lord has always allowed us to mix the local people that we've come to know and love that have that heart of Titus as well. And we mix them up with people from the United States or other countries that will come with us on our international teams. So we use the word missions to describe any travel of ministry outside of the United States, but in Paul's day, that was their everyday life. I mean, they they traveled, they went on trips, they stayed for you know a period of time, and then they moved on to the next city. And that's the ministry Paul had, caring for churches, caring for pastors, and the heart of Titus was to do the same thing. In our generation, that's what you're doing. You're carrying on Paul's ministry to the churches and the advancement of the gospel and the kingdom of God. How do you feel that translates into today's world and how you feel the, the sense of what God's put in your heart? What are you bringing to the local church when you go? Not, notwithstanding the size of the church or whatever, but what's in your heart to carry on the ministry that Paul started way back in the day in the first century? Well, you know, Everybody in the church uh, who reads the scripture admires the Apostle Paul. Right. I mean, the guy's in, guy was just incredible um, in writing so many, so much of the New Testament. And you know, we wouldn't maybe we wouldn't have the church we have today if he hadn't done what he did. I, I, I don't put myself in that same position, but I do believe that 
he set a good example for us. And he was really just following the example that Jesus laid down with the original 12 and then with the 72 in Luke 10. You know, he just sent them out. And he wa God wants to send out an army of people who will not only comfort and preach and build up the church, but will heal the sick, drive out demons, raise the dead, and preach good news to the poor. Um, most of those things I just mentioned there that Jesus told the, you know, for example, the original 12 apostles to do in Matthew 10, verse 8, most of those are temporal benefits. Healing the sick, you're not going to take that to heaven with you. Driving out demons, you're not taking that to heaven with you. You know, I mean, it, it helps you now. That reveals the heart of love of our Father in heaven how he, and how He wants to use just normal human beings to do that. And to me, that is the most incredible thing about Titus because Paul, on the one hand, he, was, he studied at the feet of Gamaliel. Um, he had all the education of the Jews. Of course, he treated it all, he considered it all rubbish. But at the end of the day, we don't know much about Titus, but we know that he had a heart. He didn't necessarily have a college degree or a Bible Institute degree. He didn't have a great anointing necessarily. What Paul commented on was Titus's heart. So you're taking teams of ordinary people that see God do extraordinary things. Yes, that's what it's turned into. Um, and we do see God do extraordinary things. In Mark 16, uh, which really is in the Bible, you know, it says, go into all the world and preach the gospel, right? And it says, these signs shall follow them who believe, not those who are pastors, not those who go to seminary. Yeah, God will, God will follow them too. But it's everybody who believes. It's the same thing in Acts 2. He'll pour out His Spirit on all flesh, sons, daughters, old men, young men, everybody. And so that's what we have seen as we have traveled. Is, you know, even in spite of ourselves at times, um, God will show up and just do incredible things. Now, when you share these testimonies, obviously there's got to be a level of excitement people get. It's like, I want to see God do that through me, and I want to see that happen. And as I've gone on trips with you, I, I can remember times when I kind of went down there in the first days I went with you, and I'm thinking, this can be great. And now there's a flat tire. We're, we're an hour and a half ride from the airport in a no air conditioned truck that barely didn't even have a speedometer gauge in it. We were being, you know, run about by old, I mean, it was just really kind of comical as I began to realize my Americanized understanding really had to melt away as I had to realize that serving on the mission field or serving outside of my comfort zone, if you will, created an interesting kind of situation where my enthusiasm for the ministry really had to be purified as something that I wanted God's glory to be manifested in spite of my discomfort, in spite of the inconvenience. I mean, Paul went through a lot of that. You know, he experienced a lot of beatings and, you know, issues like that. I'm sure Titus experienced some of that. You've gone through a number of things like that. How do you want to speak to somebody who, when they get on the mission field, they realize maybe they got sick, maybe things didn't work out the way they want. How do you still feel that it was worth it if things don't go the way you planned? So, Darren, you know, obedience is its own reward. Um, I, I think I was just reading recently in Genesis 14 and 15, where Abraham rescued um, his cousin Lot when there was the war between the five kings and the four kings and Abraham with the servants in his household, they won a great victory and they rescued Lot and they got all the booty. I mean, booty's a big thing. I mean, they got riches, I mean, gold, silver, tons of stuff. And uh, Abraham wouldn't take any of it because he raised his hand to the Lord. He says, I swear by the Lord most high that I won't let anybody say they made me rich. And, but then God appears to him right after that 
and he says to Abraham, I am your shield, I am your very great reward. And so, you know, Abraham left everything, everything that was common to him, and he's called Abraham the Hebrew because he, he, the word Hebrew means he crossed over. He crossed over from the comfortable to the uncomfortable, and God said, with a guy like that, I'm going to have his back, and I'm going to reward him. And that's what he did. And so that, you know, we don't go to their little countries because we think we're going to have a better time there than in the United States. We do enjoy the fellowship, uh, but the... Uh, but the, temp the temporal comforts, no. No, I'm, I'm much better off sitting in my house doing what I want to do in my air conditioning when it's working. Um, and that's, uh, you know. And, but honestly, that, that is just love. You know, love is never looking for its own. It's always looking for somebody else. And I am no expert on that, and i got a long way to go. But, you know, these have to be trips of concern, compassion, and love or because if you're going to market yourself, if you're going to build your brand or to build up your, you know, your base of supporters, um, God sees that. See, I think that's really the, the thing that's happening here is that we're not really dealing with a missions ministry. Although that's the word we use. This is discipleship, isn't it? But you know what? Let's we're, we're going to take a break right now and we're going to come right back. We, we're talking about the heart of Titus and having a heart of Titus. And we're going to ask Pastor Tony about the ministry of discipleship when we get back. For 25 years, we've been going to Latin America and all over the world telling people about the love and power of Jesus Christ. We have sent hundreds of teams of ordinary people, men and women, pastors and lay people, who God has used to do extraordinary things for His glory. Things like healings, marriage reconciliations, prophetic words of comfort and encouragement, and of course, winning souls. We have seen hearts set ablaze and churches revived. And we've been doing this for so long that we have formed great relationships with many pastors and church leaders overseas. We encourage them, we counsel them, and we help build unity among them. The Lord also uses these trips to train up our team members in their giftings and callings. Many of these are now bearing fruit for the kingdom, both overseas and back at their home churches. We are here at Let's Go to not only share testimonies of what God has done overseas, but to bring that same encouragement and anointing to you so that you might see the same grace and power of God moving in your life that we have seen overseas. Please make sure to visit our website to share your prayer requests and to take advantage of all the resources that we have made available to strengthen your faith. Thank you for taking the time to be with us and God bless you. We're glad you're still with us. We're talking about the heart of Titus. And before the break, we talked about this idea of missions and the idea of preaching and going out and affecting overseas churches. Really, we're not talking so much about missions as we are discipleship. I mean, isn't that what you're doing when you go and preach and teach and help the churches? Well, I suppose it's missions because we're, you know, we're doing it overseas, most of it. Uh, but yeah, you're right. Um, it's discipleship. It's the Great Commission. It's go and make disciples of all nations. And so I have found without even realizing that we're making disciples um, in, in two ways. One is we go overseas, we minister to people, uh, and especially with the ones who are drawn to us um, that you know, we become friends with, whether pastors or just members of the churches, 
uh, we begin to disciple them. Uh, but we also see that people we bring with us uh, that are part of the team, I mean, that's kind of how I learned how to do ministry. You know, maybe it's a special kind of discipleship. We're discipling people who are going to be entering into word ministries or, you know, fivefold ministries. Uh, you, you know, you've, you've brought many pro uh, people who are aspiring prophets with you, Darren, and they have learned a great deal about how to um, prophesy in, in, the, in the context, uh, how to build people up, how not to bring attention to themselves. Um, and, and so we've seen so much of that. So many ordinary people that have come with us are now pastoring churches or leading their own um, you know, ministries that uh, have an emphasis on going overseas. So what you're talking about is you're identifying people who are ordinary people but have extraordinary gifts by the Holy Spirit. They're not just people that go to your church. They're people you interact with from all over the state and beyond. Well, and that's true, but there's many of these people that when they start going, nobody has any idea what gifts they have, including them. Um, but then when the right occasion occurs and they're trusted with the opportunity to say or do something, then God shows up. And that's the beautiful process of discovery that you get to discern. There's one fellow that was my chauffeur for many years in a city in Ecuador. And then after about six, seven years of just being my chauffeur and be refusing to get up and give a greeting to the people before the service or any of that, uh, there was one church that really grabbed his heart and he got up and he not only greeted them, but he gave them a prophetic word. And I saw that there was the prophetic within him. That man's now pastoring a church. Wow. Um, and, he's, he had, and he also started a ministry um, that ministers to many, many people with marriage issues. Wow. So what you're talking about is, is that God can use someone who's willing to, like Titus, with great enthusiasm and on their own initiative, respond to his call, and then in that process, discover all the grace that he's put upon them. Yeah. I mean, I would suppose Titus uh, was just somebody who was drawn to, to the Apostle Paul and was serving him. But then we see in the in Paul's letter to Titus, uh, that said, he says that the reason I left you in Crete uh, was to set things in order and to ordain elders in every city, as I've shown you. So uh, Titus went from being a servant carrying stuff to somebody who had control of a whole island in the, in, for the kingdom of God, ordaining leaders and, uh, and correcting false doctrine, setting things in order. Uh, that's uh, quite a progression. And Paul was responsible for developing that in Titus. So... Earlier you mentioned this is an apostolic ministry. That's kind of what Titus was doing. He was continuing Paul's apostolic ministry, in a sense, in serving the elders and churches that he was involved in. Yeah, you know, in the Bible we have, you know, the five pastoral epistles, as they call them, you know, the two letters to Timothy and the two to the Thessalonians and one to Titus. At least the Timothys and Titus are really not pastoral letters. They're apostolic letters. They're written from a head apostle like Paul to an under apostle. Um, you know, now I, I want to be clear about this word apostle. Um, you know, it is a function. It's also an, a, it's a gift, but it is not, or and a calling, but it's not necessarily something to lord over anybody. Um, it is just, it's just a description of somebody who's been sent by the Lord to do something someplace else. Yeah, Jesus said he gave them to the church, the gifts, apostle, prophet, pastor, evangelist, teacher, until until the church was unified and matured, which that hasn't happened yet. So 
while there is some belief that, you know, the apostolic gift passed away with the original 12, what I'm really seeing is that it's, there's a downstream of God's continuing grace coming from their fantastic and phenomenal demonstration in Scripture that we're following in our generation, right? I mean, it's, it's a continuation of the grace that was on them, not a replacement or anything rising to their level. Darren, there's just absolutely no biblical argument at all that says that the apostles disappeared or the gifts disappeared. I just can't find it. And I will, I will talk to anybody about that. Uh, what God did 2,000 years ago, what Jesus did 2,000 years ago, what he said to the apostles and the disciples then, as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. With the same anointing, the same heart, the same compassion, the same purpose. And I don't know why that would ever stop. There are, there's no shortage of people on this planet who need the love of Jesus. And that's what we do. We go and we share the love of Jesus. Sometimes it takes the form of hearing the word of hope that's in the gospel. Sometimes it takes the form of healing. I mean, I've seen people get healed that weren't even saved yet. I mean, the God just wants to pour out his love on his creation that, and maybe, just maybe, some of them will repent and turn and follow him. Well, it's clear in our day that a lot of people have turned the titles of the fivefold ministry into something that would advance their own agenda and their own ambition, which that was no different than what was happening in Paul's day. It happened, you know, with those supposed apostles that say they are, well, I'll see what kind of power they have. I mean, he, he challenged those guys regularly to see, you know, fine, come and show me what kind of power you have. It was, it was a statement to say, yeah, you can talk big, big game and about that, but come and show me the real grace and Holy Spirit upon your life. And what I see here is not so much that the apostolic ministry is about building a big ministry and a brand and everything like that. It's about what you said. It's about continuing the heart to, to build up and to serve and to care not to make much of the individual who's called to it. Yeah, no, that's really true. And you know, so the discipleship we're talking about, Darren, is to, not to do it the way the imposters do it. It's to do it the way Jesus did it. You know, if Paul was doing it in his day because he was looking for fame or glory, um, he surely was an abject failure. I mean, he was beaten. He was uh, shipwrecked, um, you know, in jail, put in jail, left for dead more than once. Uh, you know, he wasn't doing that. He wasn't doing the ministry for fun, and I don't imagine he got rich off of it. Uh, so, you know, not to wear anything like that. You know, we you know we are able to go on trips in a comfortable airplane that's got air conditioning, and yeah, it's a pain in the neck to wait in line at customs or whatever. But you know, and, or to be in a strange culture. But it's nothing compared to the price that these other people have paid. Um, maybe things will get worse as the years go on. And we'll see. Hopefully not. Well, we're going to visit this apostolic idea a little bit more in future episodes. But I want to I want to end up this particular one. What is someone who wants to cultivate the heart of Titus in today's day and age? What do they need to do? Well, they have to be, I think, called to that kind of ministry, or at least suspect that they're called. And then they just have to be good disciples. They have to walk in the light of their walk. They got to study the Bible. They've got to pray more. They got to draw in closer to the Lord. It's like you would tell anybody else who's looking to have a deeper walk in the Lord. In my opinion, they need to do those things. And what the Lord told me when I asked him how I should prepare, he told me, find somebody who knows what he's doing in the ministry and then serve him at least a couple of years. Wow. Uh, and so that's what I did. 
there may be other ways, but God needs to speak to each person in their own way. But I think that's totally invaluable to a be mentored by somebody who has already been involved in the ministry that you're looking to be part of. Thank you for that, Pastor Tony. I think it's really important that we as believers understand that what God's after today isn't a perfect uh, minister. He's looking for a willing, surrendered heart that will humble itself for the preparation process and with enthusiasm and initiative be willing to follow and learn the ministry and then go out and affect it regardless of what the outcomes are. And I think we can all learn from Titus's example that we don't have to be the guy, but we can serve the ones that God puts in our lives. And I'm so grateful for men like Tony Nardella and Pat McGuffin and others who've given me an opportunity to be a part of a ministry where we can go and use our gifts. Let me encourage you that if you'd like more information about what this ministry is about, go to heartoftitus.org or letsgo.tv that you see at the bottom of the screen right now. We have resources on the website. We can go to our YouTube channel to see previous episodes of Let's Go. You can also see a number of articles and resources for you to grow as a believer, or you can reach out and ask how maybe God could use you in some way on a future trip. Whatever that is, I want to encourage you to be in faith for what God has for you today. And thank you so much for joining us. And we'll see you on the next episode of Let's Go.